Good morning, family and friends. It is my honor and pleasure again this morning to be sharing the Word of God with you as we walk through the book of Colossians. We are continuing with our series, Reality Check, and it is quite fitting this morning that we read a portion of Scripture which in many ways encapsulates the glorious reality that we carry as believers. This glorious reality is so fundamental to our faith. It is so important to our walk and it is so pertinent to our eternal destiny. If you have your Bibles at home or here in this room, it's nice to see a few faces. I'd like to hear a few amens this morning. If you have your Bibles, please go to the book of Colossians. We're still in chapter 1. We'll be reading from verse 21, and I will be reading from the NIV. I'll give the people in the room a few uh, minutes just to flip over to Colossians. It's in the New Testament, Pierre. Not in the Old Testament. <laughs> there we go. And I will read from verse 21. Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. He says, once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and you do not move from the hope that is held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Verse 24, now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, which is you and me. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Verse 26, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but it has now been disclosed to God's people, the Lord's people. Someone say amen. amen. To them God has chosen to make known amongst the Gentiles the glorious, the glorious, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's say this together. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim. Admonishing. Admonishing means teach. It means encouraging, exhorting, and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. Chapter 2, we'll just read one verse. It says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you. He's contending for us, us in this room, in our homes. He's contending even for those in Laodicea and for all that he has not met personally. My goal is that and I'll put this into our, my own words. My goal is that we may be encouraged in our hearts, united in love, so that we may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that we may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Amen, amen and amen. amen. What a powerful portion of scripture taken from a chapter in the Bible, which is so poetically and accurately written. It talks about Christ. Some Bible scholars say that this is probably the greatest Christological chapter in the Bible. And there's so many things we can deduce because we read a lot of verses this morning. But I want to focus on five key things 
that we want to talk about. And the first one we find is in verse 21. And at the beginning of that verse, Paul writes and says, we were alienated. He says, you, me, our fathers, our brothers, Oma, Opa, Gogo, Sekuru, we were all alienated. That sounds like a big word. It sounds like one of those big peer words, right? It means we were estranged. We were far off. We were lost. Paul is saying every single one of us, we were lost. We were not in the family of believers. So Jesus tells the story of the lost coin, of the lost sheep. We were nowhere close to the love or the plans or the hope of the believers. But God could see us and he loved us. You know, I, uh, over the last two, three years, my daughter has been going to a school called Bermond here in the Helderberg area. There's a room that I frequent all the time. It's called the lost and found room. <laughs> if some of the parents are laughing because they know this room, it's gotten a bit better over the years. But for the children, I'm trying to explain what church is in a language that you'd understand. Think of church as a big lost and found room. We were out in the world or out in the field, lost. But Jesus came and found us. The only difference with the church and your lost and found at school is that when you go into the lost and found, you find a lot of dirty old socks, broken cricket bats, lunch boxes with molds, cups that are now green. But in the church, Christ has, has found us and has given us a new identity. We don't become old and moldy and tired, but rather we become new creations. As he says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17, God gives us a new identity. We are found. And guess what? The lost and found room at school, all those things are stacked in a box and getting smelly. And all they do is sit. However, in this lost and found room in the kingdom, God gives us a mission to go back into the field to find other lost socks, other lost lunch boxes, and you bring them here to Christ. We were alienated. We were estranged. We were far off. But the love of God has brought us in. Now, here's some homework. I'd like you to go and ask your parents today. Ask them to tell you about how Jesus found them. When was that day when they made a decision that, you know what? I want to follow Jesus. I want to serve him. He is going to be the king of my heart. And I want to live a life that gives glory to his name. And so verse 21 says, Paul is writing to the Colossians. He says, we were estranged. We were lost. We were alienated. But verse 22, he gives them the good news of the gospel. He says, we have been reconciled. We have been reconciled by Christ's physical body. And we have been presented wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. The work of the cross was to find people, those things that were lost in the world, and to bring them into relationship with God. Now, the struggle we have in the world today is that people don't think they are lost at all. I've got a good friend of mine called Eugene who used to work for the Navy. Now, he's a prolific swimmer, and he swims with his son Marcus in Gordon's Bay <laughs> all the time. Now, if you have some time to ask Eugene about swimming, particularly saving people who are drowning. The easiest person to save who is drowning in the ocean is the person who knows that they can't save themselves and they need someone else to help them. If you try to dive in and try and save someone who is trying to also fight and trying to stay afloat, that person can actually drown you as well. But when you dive in, if that person realizes that, wait a minute, this person who's diving in can swim. I can't save myself. 
So the best thing I can do is put my hands up, relax, and let this person come and lift me up. And that is what salvation is. It is us realizing that we could have never saved ourselves. We would never have been saved. But you know what? The work of the cross was to reconcile us, to save us, and bring us to his kingdom. But guess what? What's happening in the world? Being a nice person cannot replace salvation. But wait a minute. I mean, he doesn't curse. He's got no road rage. He's the first guy at the bry. He brides the meat for everyone. <laughs> Not good enough, unfortunately. You have to be saved. It's lovely to be a good person, but it's better to be saved. Well, he's, she, she's a giver. You know, she makes sandwiches for the poor. Every Friday after work, she goes to Main Street and she leaves something. That is absolutely amazing. But it is not a substitute for being reconciled with Christ. Family and friends, we were estranged. We got reconciled. Here's the third thing. We must continue. If you read verse 23, Paul starts to talk to the Colossians and he says, we must continue to be steadfast, to be rooted. Remember when I spoke about those things in the, lost, in the lost room, how they must then go out in the field to look for other lost things. We hold on to our faith. We abide in Christ. We pray. We tithe. We, we fast. We seek his presence early in the morning. We go for prayer meetings. We read our Bibles. We do devotions. What are we doing? We're continuing in the faith. We're seeking his face. We're waking up in the morning and we're saying, Holy Spirit, good morning. Thank you for the gift of life. What are we doing today, Holy Spirit? Who are we blessing today? Who am I going to pray for today? God, open up a door. Open up a door. Show me who I can be a blessing to. And you walk throughout the day and you say, God, speak to me because I'm walking with you. I want to be the epicenter of your presence. I want to go into rooms, into situations, and bring the power and the word of God. We continue into our faith. We proclaim the word of God in our communities at our schools, in our workplaces. So we were alienated. God reconciled us. Now we're continuing in our faith. And so Paul is writing in this chapter to the Colossians, who at this time in this church, remember Pierre spoke a few weeks ago, um, and last week we had a wonderful word that explained that this is a city where there were lots of people with different things that they believed, people who were passing through, trading, a city that had also depreciated in, in its economic value, and there were just all these ideas. And Paul was saying to them, the fundamentals of our faith, friends, is that we must always remember that we were alienated, and that God, through the power of the cross and the spilling of God's uh, son's blood on the cross, we were reconciled to him. But God has given us the ministry of reconciliation as well. But then he says, all of this is a mystery, right? Because to us, Paul writes, this is the power of God unto us, which is salvation, but unto the world it is foolishness. You see, this mystery has been hidden from ages and generations and from the wise of this world. People can't understand, why are we so fired up for Jesus? Why do we love Jesus so much? Why do we serve him? Why would I leave my country in the comforts of my home and go and live in a, in a cold country in Belfast and leave my friends and my family and go and stay in the snow and freeze my fingers off? Brian, I hope you're watching. I'm talking about you this morning. It's the love of God. It's a mystery that has been hidden, hidden from everyone. But you know what? Paul writes and says, this mystery has been made known 
to us. Aboro is saying from A.W. Tauza, he says that this mystery is so plain that you can teach it to children, but it is so profound that the wise of the world cannot understand it. And summarize, this mystery is when we've been alienated, we've been reconciled, and we're now continuing in the faith, Christ is in you. And that is the hope of glory. Right? Just that first part, Christ in you, is mind-blowing. Think about it this way. We, we, we read two weeks ago from Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 and 15, and we were talking about how Christ is, how transcendent he is. It said, look, Christ, remember in John chapter 1 as well, he, he created all things, right? Through him, all things were created, and all things hold fast. The whole universe, the planets, the ecosystems, everything is sustained by Christ. Everything. But guess what? He's imminent. He knows you by name. In fact, he even knows the number of hairs on your head. David Pawson actually puts it this way. He says that our God, who is greater than the universe, is closer to us than our very next breath. Just ponder about that for just a moment. Jesus, who is God, who sustains the whole universe, the giver of life, the resurrection and the life, the creator of all things, the God of history, all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient, omnipotent, ever-present, the one who is watching over everyone, interceding on our behalf, is in you. Christ is in me. I believe someone is being set free this morning. And I don't know what you have been facing and what has been challenging you and what has been intimidating you and what has been bringing you down. But Christ is in you. And he is our hope of glory. There's a story in 2 Kings 17 where Elisha is with his, his servant and they're surrounded by the enemy and you know, the, the servant is so afraid and he's, he's shaking in his boots. And, you know, Elisha is calm. And the, the servant is wondering, why is this guy so calm? And Elisha prays and says, Lord, may you open up his eyes so that he may see. And the, 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 the servant's eyes are opened and he starts to see that Elisha is surrounded by all the horses in the chariots of heaven. I'm saying to someone this morning that Christ is in you. 1 John 4 verse 4 says, ah, he that is within us is greater than he that is in the world. Acts 17 verse 20 says, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Be encouraged today. Maybe you're like David and you're walking up to this Philistine. Just say to yourself, this same God who saved me from the lion and from the bear, he is with me today. And I can face whatever I'm going through. Because Christ is in us. This transcendent one, this almighty one, this so great one is with us. I was trying to sing this morning. I'm not so good, but when we were in children's church, there's a song they used to teach us. Very simple. And it used to say, God is big. God is big. God is very, 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 very big. Helena, help me out. God is big. God is big. God is very, 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 
very, very big, that big God, that Jesus, the one who was resurrected, who lives forever, who sustains the universe, who has all power. The Bible says that all power, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto him. In Colossians, we read in chapter 1, it says he is bigger than any principality, any dominion, any throne, any pandemic, any economical system, any government, any corruption, anything that can come against you. That God is bigger. But guess what? He's not only big, he is with you. And he knows you by name. And he loves you. And he took you from the field. And he brought you into his kingdom. He took you from kingdom of darkness and brought you to the kingdom of light. But why? Why, friends? Why did Jesus come and save us? Why did he come and bring us into this family? Why have we been brought to the faith? Because of our hope of glory. Do you know what the Bible says in Matthew? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will abide forever. All these things that we see, the cars, the houses, the governments, the pandemics, all these things eventually will pass away. But there is an eternity. There is a place that God has prepared for you and for me. In John chapter 14, as Jesus is about to leave, he actually says to his disciples, friends, I am going to my father's house. He calls it a mansion. And he says there, there are many, many rooms, right? Here on earth, we are struggling for housing. There are always riots. People are looking for housing. People are looking for decent places to stay. The government can't provide enough houses for everyone. But guess what? Good news. We are here temporarily. We are going to a place that Christ has prepared for us where there are many houses. And guess what? In that place, there is no more sickness. There are no more tears. There is no more pain. We shall be eternally in the presence of God. And that is the hope of glory. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 says, this reason I bow my knees before the Father. <laughs> and Helena read it as well. That we may dwell and we may understand the hope to which we have been called. We need to get as many people into that place. Whilst we're still here, Jesus said, do you know what? <laughs> The harvest is plentiful. There are so many people lost in the field. We have a message to tell them that Christ loves you, that he wants to take you from being alienated. He wants to reconcile you. He wants to bring you into relationship, and he wants to give you a real hope, the hope of glory. Now, there's a story in Acts chapter 7 as I conclude the guy called Stephen, the Bible says he was so full of the Holy Spirit, so full of the Holy Spirit, he began to talk about Jesus and began to proclaim that Jesus was Lord of Lords and King of Kings and that life and relationship with God was only found through him. And it says that people started getting jealous and they got a mob together and they brought him before the council and they wanted to stone him. At that moment, the Bible says that his face began to shine like an angel. And then the, the people started to accuse him and they brought false witnesses and they said he's a bad man and they said he's blaspheming and they were gnashing at him and they wanted to kill him. 
and they took him outside the city when they were getting ready to stone him to death. The Bible says at that point that he lifted up his eyes and he was so full of the Holy Spirit. This is in verse 55. And he said, he looked up to the heavens and he saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And he said, look, I see heaven open and I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Friends, family, I don't know what you're hoping for today. Maybe all you hope for in life is to be healed. Maybe all you hope in life is to have a bigger car. Maybe all you hope for in life is to have a bigger house with a swimming pool. Maybe you're just hoping that the economy will recover and that there will be jobs. Maybe you're just hoping that, you know, you gain a few more followers on your feed. Whatever it is you're hoping for, all those things are not necessarily bad. But there is a hope that supersedes all of it. In chapter 2 of Colossians, in verse 1, it says that we may know the mystery of God, who is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures and all the wisdom and all the knowledge of the earth. This week, may we go out into the field, look for those that are lost, tell them about Jesus Christ, tell them that he is in us and that he alone He alone is our hope of glory. Amen.